No matter where you are, what company you work for, we designed a place that gives your week a Monday boost and where we can share tips, hacks, advice, and opportunities to move your career forward right now in the radio business. Welcome to the Radio Rally on Clubhouse. What you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing stories from some amazing radio people, and uncovering a true path forward right now in radio. Today's live event will be a podcast called The Encourager the radio podcast and will become available within about an hour or so of the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. We have great guests and insight every single week that you can use to help grow, learn, and meet challenges of your radio career in the 21st century. Meet our guests live on Clubhouse, or you can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the Encouragers The Radio Rally Podcast, yes, we have two, are both on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get podcast. Today, Monday, August 30th, is our Let's Talk talk programming live event. Our guest today, Don Chang, who's the Director of Operations and Country Format Coordinator for the entire company known as Cox Media Group in Houston, Texas. And uh, yeah, he's going to be hanging out with us. Also, Ashley Wilson, she's the Director of Country Programming for Kentucky and Indiana region for iHeartMedia, both right here live on Clubhouse on the Bridgers. Before we get started with our guest today on this live event on Clubhouse, don't forget next Monday. Yeah, we don't get Labor Day off, see? On September 6th, we've got a very special event for you. John Anthony, who's the managing partner of No Shoes Radio, Inc., that's Channel 57, translating on Sirius XM, uh, you get to find out what's it really like to work for Kenny Chesney. Do you get to go to the island? Uh, are you flying in a plane? What's happening there? He'll answer all of our questions. And also joining him will be Caress Havala. Now, she is an on-air personality in Des Moines uh, with Des Moines Radio Group and Saga Communications. She's middays on Star 102.5, afternoons on 93.3 KIOA. And she's the brand manager for 93.7 The Outlaw. Think she knows a little bit? Think she's busy? I think so. See our guest calendar all the way back into October. We get this thing lined up for you. You can get all the details in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. We have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series there. And also even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in the radio business today. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do. We do that because, well, we believe in uh, the, the theory of abundance. And we can get into that later, but we won't right now. All you have to do is go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime, see what you can get free for free from our team. Please follow the people that you see on stage at this event and look around the room to connect with others while you're on this event tonight. 
We are here to encourage you and your broadcast career, and that also means networking for you. My name is Lloyd Ford, like Lloyd's of London, Ford Automobiles. I help radio, local radio, of course, personalities and broadcast companies with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Have you learned all about music drift? All radio stations experience what I call the drift. Call and ask about our music lab and how it prevents music drift and improves ratings. Our morning show fame development coaching also puts the accent and the action in the right places to build opportunity for robust ratings growth. We want you to ask about encouragement too, because it's one of our services. You know somebody who's looking for fresh answers right now for their local brand in radio? We'd love to help. You can reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Jesse Tack is with us and he does afternoons on B105 in Cincinnati. How are you, Jesse? Uh, I'm doing good, Lloyd, how are you? I always love it when I catch you just a little bit off guard. It's hard to do that after your air shift, though. I'm doing good. Listen, I have seen all these splashy photos of you doing your thing in front of thousands of people at a Brad Paisley concert. What was it like? And more specifically, what's it like balancing what is probably a lot of live events now in the mix with everything else? Um my phone cut out for just the first part, but what's it like to do? Well, I, I got to do the stage announce for Brad, um, uh, a week ago. And it was the first time in a while that I was a little nervous, um, to do it. Cause I hadn't done it in about a year and a half or so. Uh, but it was fun. Um, I, I told somebody that I walk out on, I don't know if my phone's cutting out right now. It might be cutting out. Can you hear me? You're okay. Yeah, no, we okay. got you. We got you. Okay. Anyway, um, yes, I just don't make eye contact. I stare to the back of the crowd. Uh, I keep it short and sweet. But, yeah, there's nothing like that energy, and everybody's all excited for the show. Um, but it was it was really fun. Um, we, When we started concerts about a month ago or so, uh, we had 20 on the books between then and December, the middle of December. Uh, I think we're down to 16 or 17. So, well, and don't you uh, think part of that might also be that everybody can't be a winner? I know nobody wants to hear that, but when you have so many shows all of a sudden, there's only so much cash to go around, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, that is true. So you kind of have to pick and choose. And um, so that's – and the numbers at the Brad show were a little low, and we kind of think part of that was that for that reason. Um but yeah, like for example, Zach Brown was last night, and we're so busy, I actually didn't go to the show. Uh, I, I took that show off, but I'll be at uh, Brooks and Dunn this Saturday night. So I mean, we, we're busy, that's for sure. I'll tell you what, it's an interesting time, and uh, of course, we all want the COVID to go completely away. And uh, I don't know what is necessary to get that to happen. I'm not opening up a political can of worms or anything. I'm just saying, man, who wants that stuff to stick around? I want to thank you, Jesse, for the update. And of course, you can catch Jesse anytime on B105 stream in Cincinnati. Let's check in with uh, one of my favorites, Heather Froglier in Riverside, San Bernardino, California. How are you, Heather? I'm hanging in there, Lloyd. I'm glad to be back. It's Monday. This is where you we know, get courage. So it's a great way to kick off your work week. 
Yeah, you know, I always give you huge kudos for being such a positive person. Just your energy, your vibe. I mean, oh, it's always so good to run into on a Monday afternoon, at least California time. You know, it's seven o'clock back here, okay, on the East Coast. But, but look, I love your compassion and the fact that you sometimes are unafraid to take that directly to the audience. Can you share with us this most recent thing that has developed happening around what's happening in Afghanistan and something that you have done? I think you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, well, obviously, there was a, an enormous tragedy um, right. days ago. And when something like that happens, we can pretty much almost guarantee that some of the fallen will be from this area, Southern California, because we are so close to Camp Pendleton. And uh, this past weekend was exactly what we thought it would be. And three of the um, slain Marines were from this area. Um, And so when that went down, we all, you know, started an email chain within the, you know, the company, um, I mean, within KFROG and KSON in San Diego, um, to await the list of names, to find out what we could do. And we just started, you know, reposting um, pancake breakfasts and um, events that are going on to benefit the families. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a shame. It's horrible. It's, you know, not the favorite part of our job, but it's important. And, you know, being a military brat myself, you know, and having watched my dad go to war twice and my little brother go to that war 20 years ago, um, it's important. And we take that very seriously at KFROG. Um, uh, Our morning show uh, guy, his father is also retired Air Force. And, um, you know, how can you not be just consumed by it, which Absolutely. I felt all weekend. Yeah, it's just really hard to be happy. But and, and by the way, uh, here in Knoxville, where, where I live here in Tennessee, there's also uh, one of one of the casualties was from here as well. And and uh, look, I just want to say to you, you know, we don't often think of this or maybe we do, especially those of us who are involved in country music in some fashion. It's the families that are so impacted by all this, not not just the service person, but I mean, you know, it's incredible. And for you to go take that right to the air and and take that right to your social, I just think was an incredibly it's, warm it's thing to do. The amount of people that, you know, reach out and say, you know, how can I help? Or my son's a Marine right now and I'm freaking out and, you know. Right. I mean, and to my eight, one of my AEs texted me, I think it was Friday morning when it happened and said, you're not going to believe this, but my girlfriend's son was killed from Norco. And mm. I said, you're joking, right? She said, no. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, I hate to say that we're kind of accustomed to really crappy things that happen in this area. You know, we had the San Bernardino terrorist attack a few years ago and um, we have a game plan. We always have a game plan, but at the forefront of that, our hearts are the ones that do the speaking first. And, you know, maybe one of the announcers is ready to go, hey, we need to do this. this. And, and it's my job to kind of say, let's just take a step back real quick. You know, I've got country artists reaching out saying, "Where? how can I get a hold of the families? Uh, I'm like, it's not quite time to do that yet. You know, they're right. over. You know, 
but I, I like to think that we're compassionate people. Um, our audience, of course, is compassionate. And, um, you know, we support our troops. Our, our The country community supports our troops. And it's just heartbreaking. It really is. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's so much division in the country and all the selfishness that goes on. But when it comes to the troops, man, I mean, Americans will yep. come together. I, I yep. just really feel it, right? You know, and I, I feel like... It, and it sucks, and I maybe we all say this in the back of our minds. You know, it took something like nine eleven to make us realize how amazing our country is. And I don't yes. want another nine eleven to happen to make us realize what we have. You know, and you know, I'm I can't get on the air necessarily and say that I'm there to entertain, but we're also there to be authentic and and to be and to provide the information and to be compassionate individuals. And I, I think that's what we've done a pretty good job of. So proud of that. All right. So listen, we're so fortunate for this live event. So let's go right to it because we got a couple of really amazing guests. And I'm so excited. I'm literally sitting on the edge of my seat. So let's talk programming. Who do you have for us as, as our first live guest? I have the lovely Ashley Wilson. She's the director of country programming for uh, the Kentucky, Indiana region of iHeartMedia. And that encompasses about six brands, I think it is, Ashley, right? It's something like that. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I lose count sometimes. <laughs> a lot of a lot of stations. Uh, WAMZ in Louisville, the Bull in Lexington, and you got a CHR in Louisville. Okay, so when do you have time to have like a social life? <laughs> well, with COVID and all of that, uh, there hasn't been much of a need for a social life. But uh, I must say that with um, concerts and us being able to get back out in front of listeners, all of that just kind of came roaring back. Yeah. So uh, I've had a, an extremely busy summer after having a very dull year and a half. <laughs> so um, when you say, where do I have time to have a social life? Uh, I consider parts of my job my social life. Yeah. Um, it's not 100% that, but I was out at a show every Friday night from the beginning of June until the end of July. So that was pretty much my social life for the entire summer. Of course, I made time for friends and some travel in between, but, uh, being back out in front of our audience and being able to engage with them, uh, that was very much my social life this past summer. Out of curiosity, because I have not yet made, made that leap into society again. Uh, my first big concert is coming up, I think, in two weeks. But did, did it feel weird? Did you feel a little anxious getting back out in front of people? Uh, yes, most definitely, especially before the vaccinations were available. But we kind of uh, set the bar to some degree because we were the first radio station within our company and maybe uh, within the nation, I, I'm not aware of some other stations doing what we did to the extent that we did it, but we put on an arena show in January. 
Uh, we did it to a 33% capacity crowd at Rupp Arena in Lexington. So when you break that down, um, there were, I believe, less than 3,000 people in a 25,000 seat venue. Uh, so everybody kind of bought their sections and pods. And um, it was very strange because we pretty much did a guitar pool in an arena. That was only, um, I don't even think it was 33% at that time. We did, a no, we did another show in March that was 33%. I believe the show in January was more like 15%. Yeah. So it was, it was strange, uh, but it was exhilarating. And there was just so much energy in the air between us, between the performers, uh, between the audience too. I think people were just extremely grateful uh -huh. to have an opportunity to experience live music again. And we did it in a very controlled setting. And um, as far as I know, there were no COVID cases That's related awesome. to our event. And there were some very strict protocols in place uh, between our company and between Rupp Arena, which is part of the University of Kentucky. And uh, a just, just a lot of things, just a lot of factors came into play with us being able to execute that. I will say that uh, University of Kentucky uh, played a big part in that because they were very motivated to get fans back in the stands for the basketball games. Basketball is a religion here. <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations on a successful event. Tell us how you got your start in radio and, and how you ended up where you are right now. I have always loved music and I was never musically inclined as a kid. I tried, wasn't very successful at it. I was in band in junior high, middle school, and I think I made it to first chair one time <laughs> over the two years that I was in band. So I figured out pretty quickly that I was not going to be a musician, but I've always had a love for pop culture and music. Uh, my parents were in their 20s in the 80s, so I grew up around MTV, spent a lot of time, probably way too much time in front of the television. Um, they subscribed to Rolling Stone magazine, so I was constantly reading about rock stars and probably had an unhealthy obsession with a few of them growing up. Uh, what's interesting about my radio journey is that my parents did not like country music. I was exposed to some degree to Shania and Garth because they were just, they were beyond country music during that period of time. My grandmother was the country music fan. Um, half of my family descends from Western North Carolina where bluegrass is a huge thing. And uh, I would go and spend every weekend at my grandmother's house and every Sunday uh, she would listen to a gospel and bluegrass program on the radio. And in addition to that, she would listen to the radio every night when she went to bed. Her station was W2, uh, excuse me, WTQR in Greensboro. So kind of a full circle thing for me to uh, be able to fill in on that station from time to time and, and to work for iHeart. But um, I went to school at Appalachian State University. I lived about an hour away from there when I was in high school. And Appalachian has a fantastic broadcast program. And I was extremely fortunate in that during my freshman year, Dan Valley, a uh, big consultant in the business, came to work for the university. His um, 
his daughter and son-in-law, their family had moved there. And so he and his wife wanted to be close to them. And Dan was not anywhere close to wanting to quit the radio business. So he's continued working for his consulting firm and then um, also became the general manager of the radio station. And uh, Dan's done a lot. He got the Beasley family involved with buying, um, not buying, but sponsoring uh, the new broadcasting building on the campus. Um, Art Keller, he um, got him to underwrite the National Radio Talent Institute. So I just kind of walked into this uh, radio wonderland <laughs> with Dan Valley, who's still my mentor. And uh, I had no intentions of going into country radio, but uh, I walked into the commercial radio station there in Boone, North Carolina um, during my sophomore year, got a part-time job there. And they're like, we're putting you on the country station. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so um, I, uh, another full circle thing for me is that, you know, my family is from the mountains and I kind of wanted to resist all of that for so long. And it took a little bit of time, but I completely embrace it now. Um, I had the opportunity to work on a music festival with Doc Watson while I was there. Um, uh, if I'm being honest with you, I've kind of I was kind of in and out of radio a little while there. I spent ten years in in Boone. Uh, I consider it my hometown, so I remained there six years after I got out of college, and uh, I worked for. Uh, the local station, which uh, w eventually was owned by Curtis Media Group, great company in North Carolina that owns WQDR. And um, Dan just kept saying to me, he was like, Ashley, uh, wh when are you going to make the next move? When are you going to make the next step? And I mean, he just pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And uh, finally, I decided to make the move out of Boone. And I went to go work for um, the Beasley family in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Great experience there. I was there for about three years. And uh, from there, went to go work for an independent broadcaster in Florida for a year. And uh, then I joined iHeart at uh, the end of 2017. So uh, that's a condensed version. Um, I, um, I also, in that time that I was kind of back and forth in and out of radio, when I was still in Boone, I also got hyper-engaged in the nonprofit sector. I worked for an environmental nonprofit for three years. I worked for a homeless shelter for two years. And it just seems like it didn't matter what I did. I always wound up coming back to radio because of my experience with it. If I was working on a music festival or if I was working on an event, I knew exactly what I needed to do and where I needed to go to get the word out about that event. And it always started with the radio station. Yeah, it seems like it came full circle. You know a lot about a little about everything, and that's uh, pretty amazing. Would you, uh, well, we know from experience, really, that there's not a lot of female programmers in radio, so what does it mean to you that you're one of the few? I mean, do you feel like this sense of responsibility? Oh my gosh, you know, girls are gonna be looking up to me. I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, you know, it was really tough trying to break in, uh, even as I, went to work for the Beasley family and uh, I became a music director there and I realized pretty quickly and I knew before I even went there that I, I wanted to be in programming. That's my passion. And um, my last six months there at Beasley, they put me on the morning show 
And unfortunately for them, that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me because they, uh, the, the local management, the local programming, they wanted me to do something that didn't exactly align with my own personal professional goals. Um, it was a great experience. I'm glad I went through it. It was, it was a huge learning experience for me. And I had done mornings before, and that was probably part of the reason they wanted me on the morning show. But, um, yeah, my uh, after leaving there and eventually going to iHeart, things have just moved so quickly, and I never imagined that I would be at this point in my career that I'm at right now, and it's still kind of mind-blowing, and it is, um, I have seen a lot of change in the industry in the last few years when it comes to females in programming positions, so that is um, heartening, but at the same time, it's it's also somewhat disheartening because the core for most of these stations is typically like a 35 year old female. And you've got some people that are just completely out of, out of touch with who that listener is. Not to say that you don't have a lot of male listeners, a lot of stations it skews half and half. Sure. But uh, I think that their representation matters. We definitely need more um female programmers in the business period. And I, I do feel um, some responsibility for being uh, someone to look up to uh, for the people that are coming up after me, not just on the radio side, but also on the record side uh, mm -hmm. and just in the music business in general. And and I think it even goes beyond the, the purview of, of radio and records and the music business. I think it's, I feel the, uh, the pressure to do well as a leader, period. What, um, what excites you? Like you get up every morning, what is the first thing you think of when you think about going to work that day? I mean, what excites you about your job? Uh, I think on the, the, on the small scale of things, it's, you know, what can I do today? What small thing can I do today to fine tune our brands so that they are um, more attractive and um, they do the best job possible at retaining our audience. Um, so those small things excite me from day to day, just always, always making tiny changes to the brand. Yeah to fine tune it. Um, but on the larger scale, I would say the thing that excites me the most is giving our listeners experiences, whether it was like a bourbon tasting with Kit Moore in the middle of the pandemic and he's singing to two people sitting in their car and, <laughs> and they are just beside themselves because they've never had an ex like a one-on-one -on -one experience like this with an artist before. Uh -huh. But outside of that, um, just being a part of producing live events. Um, we just did an event last week where Brett Young played acoustic to a thousand people in a theater in Lexington. And I will never get over being able to do something like that as my job. And there was this moment during the show when Brett completely unplugged, stepped out to the front of the stage uh. and everyone in the venue completely quiet. And Brett is just singing with no, ampli no amplification to a thousand people. <laughs> it's That's just crazy. like, <laughs> those are those that 
money can't buy experiences for your audience and that's what sets you apart you know absolutely that's that's what excites me and i it also excites me that i'm a part of building that person's career mm -hmm. um helping them make a living their employees make a living um and just the, the partnership part of this business um working with our partners in the record industry to create uh, experiences such as that. Yeah. Along with obviously the on the air stuff, we probably want to touch on social media. I don't know if you have a specific strategy for your stations or is there a particular platform that you're, you're getting the most traction from what works for you? I'll be completely honest. I find social media exhausting and it's probably because I'm on it way too much. And <laughs> it's because, and the reason I'm on it too much is I feel like if I'm not on it, then I'm out of touch with the listeners, yeah. especially during COVID when we're working from home and we don't have phones in the studio. And this is the, the only way for us to kind of stay in touch with the world. I, I think as far as my strategy goes and our brands, what I have done here and what I've done in other places is that I find uh, a group of listeners to connect with on a personal level, like people that I've met at concerts, maybe people that have messaged us on social media, and I, I follow their lives and I engage with them on social media. Now, do I hang out with these people on a regular basis? No, but do I see them at our concerts and events? Absolutely. So then we have that personal connection and I'm able to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on with these people who represent the core demographic of our audience. Um, now, as far as the, the, the station, social media, and what we put out there and how that operates, um, I, I do make sure that our personalities are engaged on social. And if they're not posting that I'm posting about them, I'm stealing pictures from their social media and posting them on our own, making it look like they posted on, uh, the station's, um, socials. And as far as my own socials go, um, I, I just kind of spread a little bit of everything everywhere. I, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. And um, usually when I post in one place, I'll post in another. Um, so I wouldn't say that there was any specific strategy to that. But uh, yeah, I, back to my original point, I, I think that connecting with your listeners on social media is one of the easiest things that you can do as a program director or brand manager mm -hmm. and stay in touch with who your audience is and what's going on in their lives. Absolutely. It is though time consuming, but it's crazy to think, you know, just a couple decades ago, it was just about being on the air and, you know, we didn't have to worry about making video content and all this stuff. It's fun, but it, and I would say it's a great way to interact with your listeners because you don't have a lot of time when you're in the studio. So um, good on you for doing that. What excites Ashley about radio today? Mm, what excites me is that, uh, I don't know. I mean, this business has become very challenging because you know, when I first started out, there were only a few places to get your audio and to get it for free. And now there's so many different platforms, so many different avenues to get 
what it is that you want. And I think that really what excites me is um, managing these brands in a way that continues to draw listeners in and retain them. So making, making our brands as unique and as local as possible, that excites me a lot. Now I work for a company that provides us a tremendous amount of resources and I attribute that to our brand success. Uh, but it is, my job and that of other programmers to make our products stand out and continue to draw those people in and keep them engaged. Um, I don't know that that's the kind of answer you were looking for, yeah, but no, I, I <laughs> okay. Hell on the head. It's different for everybody, but I, I love your, your thoughts on that. Um, Ashley, it's been great to get to know you. Congratulations on all your success. And, um, thanks for sharing your positivity here because that's really what we're all about. You know, it's not an easy job. Uh, we all know that we work a lot of different uh, crazy hours and we wear a lot of different hats. And But we all still have that passion for it. And that's what the whole role of this Monday night event is about, is sharing that passion and that love for radio. So thank you for your time. And we're going to ask you to stick around a little bit because at the end, we may have some questions from the audience for you. Thanks, Heather. Man, I gotta tell you, did you did you hear that? I I just love Ashley even more, don't you? After hearing that, she talks about a mentor. She talks about Dan Valley, and if you know Dan Valley, and especially what he's been doing to encourage people to enter the fray of live local radio. Um, He's pretty incredible and pretty smart, and that's a pretty good mentor. Ashley will stick around for a few minutes uh, after our second interview in case you have questions coming up. Thank you, Heather. Of course, you can catch Heather's show on KFrog on their stream and in a variety of other places in the West, too. And if you need to know where that is, we'll just tag up with one of us on social media. We'll tell you all about it. The Radio Rally is our weekly Monday opportunity to visit with radio with our group, The Encouragers. Make your mark. If you haven't liked or joined the encouragers, please. This is a great opportunity to do it right now. We have at least two great events every single week designed to help grow your radio and audio career. Now, listen up, because this is a little bit different. I'm about to make a big old announcement or two. We do have two very special different kinds of events, different from our normal clubhouse events that we want you to be aware of since both will be happening live on the encouragers here on the clubhouse app. The first one we'll call this special event. Number one, September 21st, 7 PM Eastern, 4 PM Pacific. That's a Tuesday people. This will be the presentation of a major research study from Futuri directly linked to listener behavior and what they want. And get this, the study we're talking about on September 21st was fielded after 
the lockdown. So this is fresh information that's applicable for you in your market, something for you to pay attention to if you want to know what listeners are doing now, what listeners want now. Our guest at that live event on September 21st is Erin Callahan. Of course, she's the Director of Enterprise Partnerships at Futuri Media. Look for us to share details, including comments directly from participants in the research. Learn what consumers are saying after the 2020 lockdowns. And as many people are, as you know, headed back to work, you might be a little bit surprised. Special event number two. Mm, If you're serious about programming, developing audience for your radio station, or developing audience anywhere with music, or you just want to be the best music director in your market, this, what I'm about to tell you, is a must-attend live event. We make it free for you here on the Clubhouse app. Make time for this one-time learning opportunity. We are calling it the Friday Night Live event with Guy Zapolian. Friday, October the 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You catch the theme there, right? Music, research, and rotations. We're going to break it down for you. It's music, music discovery, research, and rotations then and now with Guy Zapolian. Our next guest, mm, I've waited for this for so long. Uh, Well-known to country radio, of course, check. I would venture to say that he's probably fairly well-known outside of country check as well, and is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting programmers in radio today. He is the Director of Operations at Cox Media Group and Program Director at Cox Radio. And of course, he's the country format coordinator. You can hear him kind of walking down our hall right now. He's the country format coordinator for the entire company as well. And he's been in Houston with Cox Radio or Cox Media Group for 30 plus years. It's Johnny Chang. Johnny, welcome to the Encouragers. How are you? Thank you, Lloyd. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, that was um, one hell of an introduction. Uh, checks in the mail, man. I like to put a lot of pressure on you up front, you know. <laughs> Listen, you're you're one of the most respected programmers in the country. Certainly in Houston, you are exceedingly well thought of. And yet, all I ever hear from you is how any blame for anything good that happens to you goes to your team. Is that right? Well, that is right. I mean, it's um, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, they're the ones doing work. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, my job is to, um, you know, uh, talk to them, uh, give them encouragement, coach them, and ultimately, but they're the ones who have to go and push the button and, you know, fire up the computer and, and execute. So, well, yeah, and I think execution execution is so important. And sometimes people think, well, we got the greatest plan. Well, you can have the greatest plan. If you don't have the greatest execution, eh, right? Yeah. It's, um, and also it, the key is, you know, it's, um, it's buy-in, you know, yeah. I, I, I want my guys, my, you know, I, I, I'm a sports guy. Okay. So I liken everything to sports. You know, the station, it's, it's a locker room. I'm the coach, okay? And the team, my, my staff, and I hate the word staff. I apologize for using that word staff. But the team is the team. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have to love each other. We don't have to, in fact, I want us to, uh, to disagree among each, each other. But 
we do need to respect each other and be on the same page going in the same direction. Now, uh, yeah, that respect is so important, right? Absolutely. Now, it, it, would it be great if, um, you know, everybody cared for each other and, and you know, it, not just in a work setting, but outside of work, obviously that'd be great too. You know, um, right. You know, it, it's, it's again, I, again, I, I tie everything back to sports. It's hard to find many teams that have won it all in the past that, that, that really had a dysfunctional locker room. That's right. And, and look, it's not just important to win. A lot of people don't understand that winning is just the beginning, right? You, you have to come back every day and still win. And to, <laughs> and to be able to do that over time means a lot more, in my opinion. I, I agree completely. Um, you know, when I first got to KKBQ, it was in 2004. And I, I have been in Houston for a few years already for Cox. And um, back then, uh, unfortunately, KKBQ was not doing very well in Houston. It, it, there, it, Houston back then was a, a three-country uh, station market. Oh, and, you know it was. Yeah, and KKBQ was number three by a mile. And uh, I remember I, I was I was the only "quote unquote" Cox person in the cluster because you know we, we bought into Houston in 2000. I had come the company transferred me from LA to Houston. All right, all right. I don't want you to, I don't want you to get too far ahead here because okay. I have some real serious questions for you. Okay. We're going to get we're going to get to that because I'm going to ask you a kind of a weird country question okay. coming up. But first, I, I got to be able to say you have a really interesting story. You studied journalism at California State University, Northridge. Did you want to walk down the path of journalism? And and by the way, did radio just come and get you? Can you walk us through how you entered the radio business? Sure. Um, you know, back in high school, I was one of the lucky ones that uh, who actually kind of knew what, what, what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a writer. And um, I went to college, majored in broadcast journalism, and uh, got into the school radio station, you know, and started, you know, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, get, uh, getting ready to produce and um, anchor the, uh, the uh, radio news every half hour starting at five o'clock in the morning. And that's how I got into it. I, I caught the bug very early on. And um, my first gig, my first real gig was uh, at uh, KNX AM, uh, which is uh, all new CBS in LA. I was right. still in school at the time. They hired me part-time to write. And um, after graduating, I got a huge break when the, uh, the program director of KFI, uh, the Rush Limbaugh station, hired me and I was uh, producing the uh, morning news and our sister station across the hall was coast KOST, which, uh, that's where it gets really interesting, right? Yeah. That, that's the, the legendary AC station. And I had, uh, met, uh, Johnny K who was the program director there. And, uh, I spent a couple years at KFI doing news. And then I left, to do TV news at KCAL Channel 9 in LA. And by that time, I kind of got burned out a little bit on news. 
You're just crushing me right now because I never knew about Johnny Chang, the journalist, and now I got a whole other. I got a whole other thing going on. <laughs> no, I, again, I was very, very fortunate that in my very short uh, professional journalism career, I got to work the L.A. riots. I got to work the uh, the uh, I think it was the '93 uh, Northridge earthquake, which, which was the last big one to hit Southern California. So no, I I I got it all. I mean, you know, but well, and and that stuff gives you great perspective for sure. Yeah, and um, and uh, I I got a little burned out, and then as luck would have it, um, Johnny K, the PD of Coast at the time, uh, called me up and said, "Hey, you ever thought about getting into FM, into music programming?" Because his APD at the time was being promoted within the company to program our station, our AC station in Miami. And I, I said, sure. <laughs> and that's how there's I got something, in. There's something yeah. that he saw in you. There's some, so, so let's talk about that. What was it like to be at Coast? There's this legendary adult contemporary station. And, and what did you learn from that format, that station at that time? Wow. Um, well, I spent seven years there, five years as Johnny's APD and music director and two years as a PD. Um, yeah, and I would just like to point out that your first programming job, is that correct? Was it yes. post? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And, and how old were you? I think I was 29 at the time. Yeah, I'm thinking when curse words right now. I'm thinking curse <laughs> words. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell, um, tell us all about it. <laughs> uh, well, w one thing I definitely learned, I mean, it, it was tough initially simply because it was so different from news and news talk. You know, news and news talk was, you know, I had set duties every single day. Come That's in at right. a certain time, write certain, you know, write the first segment of the newscast, work with the photographers, work with the editors and produce this and that. It, 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 it was very regimented. I, I go into FM programming. I'm like, okay, I had to learn selector, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. But the thing that Johnny K really taught me and, and that format in particular was the discipline that it's it was not loosey-goosey the, the station had a sound of a, a certain way the talent had to sound a certain way the presentation had to sound a certain way and and i guess the single most important lesson i learned in all my years at coast was you always want to be an est station that you know it's okay to be the softest station in town it's okay to be the oldest or the newest and so on as long as you're an est station and and at coast you know one of our uh, mantras was it's okay to be the the soft rock station the softest right. yeah you be you so so you listen be, i yeah. gotta ask i gotta ask this question now, you know, you make the flip over to country. Um, look, your name and my name are a little bit different. Uh, that's the way I'm going to put it. So did people look at you with curiosity when you straight over into the country music lane? Did they go, Johnny Chang, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did they do that? When I got when I got to Houston in 2000, it, it, it wasn't to to run KKBQ. That came a couple years after that. But um, yeah, when I um, um, 
when my GM at the time told me that they, they were going to make a change on the station, they asked me to babysit the station for a few months while they searched for a new PD. And, you know, I, I again, I, I didn't know anything about country. And I, having grown up in LA, Southern California, Southern California did not have, outside of uh, KFROG, uh, did not have good country radio. And um, so for me, country was Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> mm. And I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I remember that first week on the job, um, you know, at the time, my music director was Christy Brooks. Um, right. You know that, yeah, she is uh, now the program director of uh, KCY in San Antonio. So now, again, we, we, I've been in the building for like two, three years. So we, we know each other and now I'm her interim PD and she knew that I knew nothing. Yeah, but are, wait, wait, wait. But are you telling me that nobody said your name, Johnny Chang, what you gonna tell me about country? Nobody said that to you? Do you know, to be honest with you, I was very fearful of that in the very beginning. Oh because yeah, even, right? even though Even though I didn't know anything about country music per se, but obviously, I I knew enough about country radio about the the, the passion of the right. fan base. The, and you know, it is. It still is. Um, it's not yeah. changed, and, right? Yeah, it's it's is mom's baseball. You know, apple pie. You know, and you know, um, and all right. I was, all right. So, <laughs> so so let's break this down a different way. How different? was coast and say kkbq for you and i'm already going to just lay this out for you in advance coast was this very mature product that you worry i don't want to mess this up and kkbq you gotta mess kkbq up at that time you, yes. you gotta do something right well again so, I, I was very very lucky that to, to come in when the station wasn't doing well and basically i was given carte blanche to do whatever and and i and i do think looking back that you know back then cox radio was run by bob neal right and um the fact that i did not have a country background got me the job that i didn't know i knew pop, right I knew rock yeah so and then as i dug into the research in the initial the early days I noticed that obviously our number one sharing radio station was the other country station. And then I started noticing like, you know, the top 40, the hip hop station, the alternative station, all were like top five sharing in our audience. So Mm. I came to a realization really quickly that at least in Houston, country is not unhip. Correct. So, I, you know, I'm sitting there with my preconceived notions being this kid from LA, that country is a shit kicking, you know, trailer park music. And I was wrong. So and now you're like, okay, this is more than the Dukes of Hazard. Wait a minute. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So, so we started basically, again, I didn't know any better. So I hired a, an imaging uh, director from an alternative station. I hired a morning show from a, a rock station. And, and sort of like our mantra on the station was just, you know what, let's be the hip sounding, if you want to call it a hot AC or, or a, a mainstream CHR that just happened to play country. 
Johnny, you, you know what I love about you? You are my brother from another mother, because what you're describing is we're the country station that needs to separate from these others. We need to be different. And we am I be, right? Yes, we have Correct. to be different. Because at the time, Kilt owned the country hill. But I mean, but no one else was close. It was Kilt, kick and Kilt. And um, we had to be different. We could not out-country them. So let's try something else. And today, and also, you, can't, you, you can't imagine how monumental that hill is to climb. You're looking at them going, my God, you, they're unbeatable. Right. I mean, you know, I remember the first, it was Diary back then, the, our first book. They were number one in the market with six something. Kill, I mean, Kick was somewhere like eighth, ninth, and KKBQ was 21st with a two something. So we, we, we climbed the hill. <laughs> Nothing like but, love and but, life at 21, right? Yeah, but but you know what? But back to the music, uh, I really want to finish that story about that, that first week on the job. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting there in my office listening to us, listening to Kilt, you know, trying to log everything they're doing, what we're doing and everything. Now, I don't know anything about the music. But Christy Brooks knew I didn't know anything, so she knew she had to be my tutor. So, like, every song would come on on Kill. I would call her down the hall. Who is this? What is this? Who is this? What is this? And by, like, the sixth song or seventh song, she was losing her patience with me. <laughs> so, I'm like, hey, Christy. And I hear her stomping down the hall. And she's like, what? I said, what is this? And she's like, excuse my language, but you're fucking kidding me. You don't know this song. Mm. I said, I don't look, man. It's like, for me, music died when Guns N' Roses broke up. No, I don't know this song, you know? <laughs> and she's like, that's friends in low places. Oh, I'm like, well, great. Who sings that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's like, All right. And she's like, that's Garth Brooks. I, I see said, where oh, we yeah. are now. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Chris Gaines guy. Oh, man. All right. So it's interesting that we're talking about this music and we're talking about that period of time, which people in country, I mean, that's kind of the national anthem of country at that point. How has country music changed? You certainly today are very well versed in country. Uh, do you think of it that way that country has changed? In other words, do you simply follow closely to the research or do you level an opinion as a gatekeeper into the mix as well about adjustments and the content of the songs and the kinds of acts that are coming to country radio? I, I, I do think that uh, the music has changed. I mean, it was changing around the time I got in. I got in at 04, in 04, you know, when Keith Urban, Ra Rascal Flats, those guys were really starting to come into their own, and which made, made my transition easier from a musical standpoint. Now I'm sitting there listening, it's like, shit, I could have played this at Coast, you know? Like, Wait, this is pop music right here. I yeah. got you. But I think today, um, I'm going to get myself in trouble, in trouble here. Oh, let's um, do it. It's a good place to yeah. do it. <laughs> um, on one hand, I think we are country today in radio is the most diverse format we have out there. Interesting. It, it, is, it is fun playing program director or music director and selecting music 
and scheduling music because you have so much fun. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the, the, the sound, the tempo, everything is just so up and down, which is kind of cool. But right. I also feel that the fact that we don't have a sound that we can hang our hat on, I think it hurts us. Mm. I think it hurts us a little bit. Yeah. All right. So, so listen, you, you've been living with PPM in this world for a long time. How important is the morning show to country radio today? I think it still is important. I think we all saw, you know, if you work in the PPM market, I think, you know, you, the first time you got some numbers, you were hit by a truck, you know, to see how right. important afternoon drive is, how sure. important Saturdays are. Um, so from that perspective, from a, an over, from, from a audience share perspective, no, the morning, morning shows are not as important in PPM as they were in diary. There's the data proves it. Okay. And it makes mm -hmm. sense. Uh, however, the morning show is still your linchpin. It is still it's the essence of the brand, right? Absolutely. It is still. The, the face of your radio station. It, it really is, you know, because right. if that's, if that's not, if that weren't the case, then female driven stations very much, much like 99% of all country, modern country stations out there wouldn't have gotten our asses kicked last year during COVID because people, soccer moms weren't taking their kids to school. They weren't going to work and morning numbers cratered. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something else. They weren't going to concerts either, which that's a big engine for country oh, music radio stations too. That's a, that's a huge thing. I mean, that that's live music. That's one of the things that, you know, uh, it, it could be a topic for another podcast about radio stations becoming jukeboxes. But right. of, all, of all, you know, of all the formats in radio, man, country is one of the two or three that absolutely – thrive and feed off of live music shows touring zero question about that yeah. zero question and and two you know it's so good to get back to some events because it is a big part of what local radio is let's get back to your your team concept your your concept of team again i I know you, you always give credit to your team. I always love that about you. And you can feel that coming from your team. Now you're managing or coordinating or whatever you want to call it. But, but look, it, it must come down to mentoring other programmers, helping them in the company. In in case anyone thinks that we're like being out of touch here, uh, we get it. I think it's even more important to take care of your team if they're smaller than they used to be, how do you impress this upon uh, uh, your individual team members that supporting those individual team members of theirs is so critical as programmers? Well, it's, you, you hit around the nose. I mean, you know, it's last year and going into, obviously we're, damn it, we're nine months into this year. Um, nobody's had a good time. You know, right. maybe with the exception of labels and <laughs> their streaming uh, income. Yeah, right. uh, um, but it's it, now that um, I'm responsible for all the country stations at CMG, you know, right. the PDs and I talk every single week. And we, even we have nothing to talk about. And one of the things that we always talk about is whether you're in the building 
or on virtual, make time for your people and not talk business. Just it's, it's even more important when yeah. everybody's spanned out, right? Because you got to right. keep tabs on people. Yeah, yeah. And right. um, go ahead. So, so listen, we always talk about mentors on the encouragers, and we're so grateful that you've joined us. But I'm going to ask that question to you in a different kind of way, just because I want it to be a little spicy. When when you get challenged as a uh, with a programming question of some kind, who does Johnny Chang call? Who do, who do you call? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, it, I don't. There's not one person that I go to. You know, no, there's not like a. You know, uh, I don't have one standby. Obviously, right. uh, one of the people that I respect most in the business is Steve Smith. Our right. VP of programming, you know, he and I go way back, go all the way back to the LA days, and when he was shepherding this young puppy of a of a programmer, um, I, I I I go to him a lot for, especially after a bad monthly or, or trend, yeah, you know, right. he'll talk me off the ledge, you know, that kind of thing, and for the mechanics of things, but for like, hmm, what should we do here? Or what if we did this or whatever? You know, what if we... a lot of times, you know, I talk to people who are not in programming. Is that right? Yeah, because you know what? I want to hear from people. One, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I hear people in programming who say, I, I listen like a regular listener. No, you don't. You can't. So I go to people outside of programming, I mean, in the business, in the media business, but outside of programming or someone younger, much, much younger. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I ask, it's like, okay, this is what we have in front of us. How, how do you think we should do this? Or if this is the way we've been doing it in the past, do you think it still works? There? Would, would that get your attention? That kind of thing. And That's right. I, I, go, I go to salespeople and we have some friends in the, the you know, it, in in the agency business, usually younger buyers. We ask, I ask them. I, I usually think that's include, incredibly important. Yeah, I, 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 we, you know, we we hold like you know, uh, a shoot the shit brainstorming session like once every four or five months, whatever. I usually I make it a point to have like two or three non-programming people in there, just just to, again get different point of view. I like it. Okay, listen. I th I'm gonna let, I'm gonna make you talk about some other people right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and and look, this is really important. I mean, we started doing the encouragers with Heather. Okay, and, mm -hmm. and the reason we chose her is because she's amazing. She's so positive, and we wanted something that people can hear about, learn about, and come to and realize that this is a place that's positive for the people who are the professionals in the talent side of our business. And by the way, the talent side of our business is morning shows, it's program directors, it's on-air talent, it's salespeople. Okay, there's talent everywhere. How do you see the future success in our business for people wanting to grow a great morning show or somebody who wants to be deeply involved in programming. Think about you as you were coming up, you know, okay, those people exist today. What's the future of their success? What does it look like? How do they get there? 
I'm sorry, you cut out there for a second. How did they get there? Whether it's a a morning show, somebody wants to to become this really juggernaut morning show, or somebody (laughs) wants to become a great programmer, how do they get there today? Okay. Um, Obviously, with the the challenges facing our business today, you know, the end of the past few years, um, it, it's tougher, you know, simply because our, our teams are getting smaller. Um, That's but, right. but unlike before where I, I think the model of, Hey, go start in a small market, go to college station and then get a job there and then work your way up, go to Austin and then go to Houston. I think that model is broken because of social mm-hmm. media. I oh, think nice. These days, anybody can have a quote unquote audition tape because I think the smart brand managers, the smart program directors realize that DJs are gone. On-air announcers are gone. It's just personalities. Right. It's the big voice dudes, they're gone. And uh, you're looking for people, doesn't matter gender, doesn't matter age, but people who can connect, who can engage, who can mm. um, relate. Can make people today. feel something, who can tell yeah. a story, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and reading liners don't do that. Right. So you can always teach someone to do that. So it's, I, I, I would, you know, I, I tell folks all the time, because people still do ask me when, when they find out what I do, hey, how can I get on the radio? I always tell them, it's have a social presence have a real social presence and then use that to reach out. Correct. Now I'm really going to put the brakes on now because I'm going to ask you a direct question. What do you love about radio right now today? I, (laughs) uh, I'm going to pause a little bit, just like Ashley did. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, Look, I, what frustrates me most about radio is also the same thing that's got me most excited because I, the challenges that face us. Mm. I'm, I am so interested in seeing how I or my team or the next generation of radio talent can adapt to the new world we live in, which is we have competition more than just another radio station. Absolutely. We have competition everywhere. How 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 does the new radio go forward and compete with YouTube? And I'm excited about that because I, I can't wait to find out. I, I, I hope that I, I get to work with someone who, who one day soon will come up with that answer. You know, I, I know I won't, but you know <laughs> but that 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 excites me. That excites me. It's uh, because, you know what, Lloyd, we have no choice. We have to find it out. We have to no figure choice. it out. That's right. Yeah. And, and look, you know, Ashley was talking about this earlier. She said this in a different way, but Spotify streaming is a personal experience. Okay. I mean, people, uh, radio listeners don't look at that and go, man, that's terrible. No, they don't. They go, hey, I like that, right? So radio, in radio, what we do is a personal experience at a higher, closer level if we're doing it right, correct? Absolutely. It's 
Okay, you know, you got me, you got me into this now. So I did. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm going to say something. Every time I say, it, I always think, oh man, I'm going to, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me. Um, we still have too many people in radio in positions of influence who are still using the damn same playbook from 1985. Yes. Which is numbers go down, yes. shut the jocks up, cut the playlist in half, and stop playing new music. Yep. That may, that probably worked when we were competing with another radio station. But today, like Ashley said, the consumer can get that product, which is the music, anywhere. And, right. and we have a huge segment of our audience who don't know what it was like before that. Right. So, so what we need to do is take chances, have more personality, have more aha ear candy moments and what we used to call you know uh focus on radio you know uh repetition is a good thing and so on i'm not so sure that's the, that's the, that's well, the right well, well listen the thing you're talking about is personalities and we've spent 25 27 years uh reducing limiting uh putting governors on talent reducing their footprint and now I think the really smart, especially smart programmers are turning to that and going, oh no, you know what? If we don't change this, we're gonna be a commodity. That's what we're gonna be. Uh -huh. and, and commodity is death because as you know, Johnny, and you know this well, that it's trust that builds brands, right? And who builds trust? Is it big corporations? No, it's people, it's, it's personalities, it's people that you can identify with. I think this is a very uh, clear and present danger. I think it is a great conversation to have uh, without picking on anybody, but just to say this, and, and I'll make this, you know, I'll get myself in trouble here too. On the 21st, we are going to do this thing with the jury. And I'm just going to, I'm going to sneak this in and tell you that one of the things that they looked at was some of the people at corporate levels and at, at let's just leave it there, at a corporate level had yeah. a different view of radio and the listener experience completely than the listeners did in the study. I, I don't doubt it. I mean, to this day, I, I, I'm not going to name any names, but I, talk, I still talk to some program directors who literally sit at their desk and truly believe that their listeners don't stream. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I, what else do you say about that? That's amazing. Listen, Johnny, I, I, I sincerely want to thank you for spending time with us and joining and becoming one of our encouragers. We get excited about that when we get new members here, of course, and I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes in Absolutely. case we have people who want to ask questions from the audience. Every single week, we have visits from radio pros from different parts of the country. You can see that on just this one live event. We do it for a single reason. We're here to encourage you and encourage anyone making a living in the radio business today. This is where you can come and hear from people that you ordinarily might not get a chance to hear in an intimate setting. Talk about radio right now. 
and you can meet them on our clubhouse events. Follow the people on the stage in this live event, look around the room and connect with people in this room. These are radio pros that are interested in the future of radio. Our purpose is to encourage and networking is a big part of doing that. Don't forget next week, Labor Day, do we get the week off? No, we don't. That's right. John Anthony is gonna be with us. He's the managing partner for No Shoes Radio. What's it like to work for our friend, Kenny Chesney? We're gonna find out. They're also Channel 57 on Sirius XM, of course, if you've got that. And of course, a very unusual name. Our second guest next week is Caress Havala. And of course, you know, Caress is going to talk to us. She is an on-air personality with Des Moines Radio Group and Saga Communications. Middays at Star 102.5, afternoons at 93.3 KIOA and brand manager for 93.7 The Outlaw. You think she's busy? She'd be able to give us a real interesting perspective of what all of that life is like. And you don't want to miss it. We're here on Clubhouse every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific to in encourage you. Uh, we are going to open up the room just in case you have some questions for our guest or anybody on our panel. You just push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device to raise your hand. We will bring you up to the stage. We do ask that you mute your microphone until we call on you. Uh, check in at any time for the latest update as we continue to add guests to both of our live events. We publish our full updated schedule at BrainMakerPathway.com. That's also where you'll find fresh and free resources to encourage you or anyone in the radio business. And of course, we, we would love for you to participate in that as well. We care about the people in the radio business, look for our free blog section, get the hook up and share it with friends. Also, don't forget, you can join us Wednesdays on Clubhouse Live for innovation and audio. This is kind of interesting. We do this with our friend Skip Dillard, who's with WBLS and Hot 97 in New York. And look, uh, as usual, we have two guests, but just like normal on innovation and audio, only one of them is from radio itself. The other is usually someone who handles and works consistently specifically with innovation itself. They may or may not be tied directly to radio or even audio. It is our way to get a different perspective about change, creativity itself, creating a, 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 an environment for innovation, which, as you know from listening to Johnny Chang, is, is something that we really need. This Wednesday, yes, just two days from right now, our live innovation and audio event will feature Daniel and Steneg. He is the CEO of Fituri Media. And he is going to tell us about the future a little bit. You better get ready to hang on to that. Also, Shay Moore, Morning Personality at KPRS-FM in Kansas City will be with us. So let's talk questions uh, for our guest, Ashley, Johnny, or anyone on our panel. And of course, it uh, looks like Big Rick is up first. Let's see if I can get him up to the stage. You have a question for somebody on our panel, Rick? Well, um, before I ask my question, I wanted to compliment Ashley and Johnny. Um, every time I hear one of these two speak about anything, they always have my attention. So thank you for being in it here tonight. But I got a question for Johnny Chang. Um, you know, uh, I just I just came to a station that has a pretty a country station that has a pretty large uh, hold on the market and when i've been like uh you know polling listeners how do why do you listen to wpig 
a surprising answer that I'm getting where I'm at now is, well, my, you know, my grandfather, my mom or my dad have always listened to it. So I listen to it. And these are like younger people. So I, I don't know how to ask this question, but how could we capitalize on that, that the generational listeners of radio to influence younger listeners? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, Rick, I can understand how, you know, Ashley gets your attention, but if I get your attention, you need to get out more. So, um, <laughs> um, well, you know, look, it, it's, I think it's wonderful that, you know, you have a station that, you know, that basically is a one-stop shopping for all things country. And, uh, that's a wonderful thing. I, I think, I mean, to capture more, I mean, you already have it in, in, in essence. Um, you know, I, you know, make sure your music is right, obviously. You know, I have a nice mix of new and, and older music. And uh, I would definitely, you know, if, it sounds like that you have the older leaning uh, listeners probably, not by default, but I mean, they are there, okay? The younger listeners obviously are more more uh, fickle, I would start, I would think about building events that are sort of targeted towards them. Because, you know, um, obviously you want to do all this to, to uh, protect your listenership, protect your team. And, and um, you know, if there's anywhere that you're vulnerable, I'm not saying you are, but this is how we went after Tilt uh, back in the day when they owned the market, they had, they were everything. But we just decided, you know what, we're going to be hipper, we're going to be younger, and let's see where it goes. And then that's how it, it took a little bit of time, but that's how we, where we carved our niche and then uh, created an inroad towards them. So, Johnny, I know enough about you to know that that's one way to skin a cat. Some, some situations, is it, it's different, right? So you have to understand what your natural position is and mm -hmm. – uh, See, see where your biggest opportunity lies or where you think it is. Brian is with us. Brian, you have a question for somebody on our panel or one of our guests? Well, let me, I want to help answer Big Rick's question. As Sly and the Family Stone said, it's a family affair. I'd be doing promos with multiple members of families that have been listening to your station. I think that'd be a good way to do it. And then, Johnny, nice. we were talking about morning drive in PPM. And, you know, it was really interesting during uh, COVID, any one of our stations that didn't have a uh, personality-oriented morning show, their numbers absolutely disappeared. But ones that were able to talk about that during the whole situation, they were able to maintain some big numbers during COVID. So I still think it's really important. You know, what we first saw in New York with PPM was, uh, I, I told my morning guy at CBS FM, I go, if I can just get an extra point out of you at six o'clock, dude, you're going to be top five because we already had numbers at eight and nine o'clock. So any numbers you can get before eight o'clock in PPM is really will help you overall on your uh, primetime numbers. So that's what Huge. I want to add. And greetings Huge. from Florida where I'm looking at uh, Bogusica Bay. So there you go. Oh, so nice, right? Well, listen, I have a question for Ashley. Um, you know, look, uh, in terms of external opportunity, you know, I know you're gonna hate this because you said, you know, you get so exhausted about this particular subject, but spreading the local story of your brand everywhere in social, I feel like is so important. It is kind of the future to to export radio and and to 
to create that extra momentum. Will personalities in the future be television stars on social media? Well, I mean, think about, I don't know if this is the case for you, Lloyd, but I spend way too much time on my phone every day. I, mm. I'm addicted to TikTok. Uh, not that I'm on it. <laughs> it's not that I'm on it every second of the day, but it's once I start looking at it, it's hard to get off of it. And then Lloyd. with TikTok, I gravitate to particular personalities. So um, what is it that makes me hit that follow button? What is it that makes me re-engage with that person over and over? What is it that makes me pull them up uh, on on demand? Like I actually type in their name to go look at their, their page and their videos and whatnot. I, I bring that up because there's no getting away from these phones and video is king. So yes. Uh, I think that the most successful, engaging personalities in the business today are definitely thinking outside of just radio. They are hyper-engaged with people on multiple platforms, and they're creating video content. It's not to say that you can't be a successful personality and not do that stuff. Everybody has their own thing that they're really good at you know there are some people that are great at doing radio and are able to bring in that audience and retain the listeners but um i'll give you an example our afternoon talent has built up a massive social media following and he doesn't do a ton of video content but he's one of these guys no he, he does it from time to time and he'll do it if i ask him to but um, where he has truly succeeded is one showing that he is hyper engaged with the community, cares about the listeners, cares about what's going on in the community. But he's one of these people that I've seen respond to every single comment nice. on a post of his. Nothing and, like it. And he's also very real. Um, right. He is the kind of person that shares what's going on with his wife or his kids, uh, his daughter's getting married. Um, he, he's a very unique personality. So there's two, there's two sides of that coin. Yes, um, video is king, and, but if you're going to do it, your content better be damn good because if it's not, then you're just wasting your time. Um, and the other side to it is you don't necessarily have to be great at video content. There's other ways that you can excel at engaging with uh, audiences on multiple platforms. And um, in the case of Dingo, our afternoon guy, I believe that some of that engagement that he does drives people back to listen to the radio station. Okay, I'm going to put another check mark next to Ashley here. Reasons that I like her so much. I asked one question, and not only did she answer that, but she gave us all a tutorial in how important it is to be real and to to lean on the things that are authentic about you. Okay, people want to be heard in these social media channels. They want to be heard. It's so interesting when a talent can understand that and engage that. And I just appreciate you bringing that out, Ashley. 
Well, thanks for the question, Lloyd. I enjoy your um, encouragers group and listening in most Mondays. Um, I, I don't appreciate that. necessarily like putting an extra hour of radio time on my schedule. I know, I know. I'm so sorry for that part, but I do no, feel like okay. encouraging other people is really good. Look, we do try to keep this to about an hour. And of course, we've totally blown that out of the water tonight. But I feel like these two guests are so incredible. I, it was okay to go a little bit long. I hope that you agree that that's okay. One of the great things about our live events is that you can listen. That's it. You, you're not required to ask questions. Thank you for joining us this Monday and every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, please don't take a back seat. Email me directly, forward, F-O-R-D, at BrainMakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a rock star week. This is our effort to try to kind of engage you and give you a little boost on Mondays. We like to say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Our big thank you to Heather Frogleer and Jesse Tack for being great co-hosts for this event. Our thanks to Ashley and Johnny for being incredibly patient and giving gifts, gifts uh, our guests for us. Our special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should certainly be available in the next 24 hours, probably a lot sooner than that. Thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share our podcast, The Encouragers, The Radio Rally, and The Encouragers, Innovation and Audio with others that you know that are interested in growing their careers on audio. Both podcasts are available right now on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Please, please remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers. And of course, good night. <laughs>